you're involved in here in the county. If you live in the rural county, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and um, the Midwest Continent Independent System Operators, which Marsh County REMC is a member of, um, recently released a summer readiness assessment news release that kind of gives a projection for the next few months. And obviously, um, you know, it's going to be hot, so we're going to be using a lot of electricity. And we're going to talk about keeping your electrical use in balance or more on a steady keel, an even keel. And, you know, actually how things could progress if people don't work together, that we could actually have some temporary power outages. So we're going to talk about that. And then what you can do to protect yourself from those. Trying to remember the story on, uh, maybe it was national news, um, where they were, I don't know where they were putting... They're doing something with electrical lines in Northern California because all those wildfires, oh, I guess, start, are sparked yes. by sparks uh, from power lines or down power lines. And they're doing something with them to try to alleviate that. And I don't, they can't be putting them underground because I don't think the ground conducts electricity very well. So I. I don't know. I don't know how they they do it, but they were trying to get rid of power lines that could start I, I fires. I remember seeing that. Yes, yeah. because I think they I think they find them a gigantic oh, yeah, a amount dollars. of money. Yeah. Yes, because uh, they've been the cause of uh, some of yeah. the wildfires. Yeah, they uh, they said that the company that's doing it actually had been fined a billion dollars. Now that isn't. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. I was going to say that kind of piques my interest. Most companies being fined a billion dollars would put them out of business. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, like, I, can't, um, I, I can't think of too many businesses, even major survive. ones, who could who could take a billion dollar hit and survive it. So I, I'm kind of interested in the backstory on that but. you know where i would like to know a little bit more of the backstory actually is in the gasoline field i would like to know what you know some of the upper echelon of these different oil manufacturers <laughs> are making i mean and and you know we're asking you don't want demanding know. the president you know release more of the reserves that we have and that he and to try and reduce you know the cost of insurance okay what a, what's the guy in the golden tower making has he taken a cut in pay you know has he reduced his percentage of income to make the price come down a little bit what has he done to help out uh taking record profits uh, that's where i would <laughs> estimate that it's been see that's the thing i mean everybody wants to blame the president for everything that's right. fine whatever it's part of the job but you know the same people that are screaming loudest about blaming the president for all this are the same ones who will also crucify you in the main square if you say the slightest word against capitalism so what is capitalism 
How are prices set in that economic system? The market. You charge what the market will bear. So who sets that price? It isn't Joe Biden. Uh, no, it's not. And strangely, there are lots of refineries offline. So you're not getting supply either. So, yeah, I know I'm full of crap and I don't know anything about economics and do my research, but it's just like here. Well, why don't we? Why doesn't the mayor get us a Cracker Barrel? Because politicians. I'm sorry. I guess I shouldn't say this because it's a generalization. I was going <laughs> to say politicians do not tell private companies what they can and can't do with their company in that way. Like, they can't just walk in and say, well, you're going to move in here, start building. Uh, you're going to change your prices. Now, they can. Back in the day, they used to have a cap on the price of gas. Which, in this day and age, yeah. Well, you know, we had a president who said, oh, those are good guys. They'd never gouge us. Just take all restrictions off of them. And voila, look what we have today. So, We're all so happy about that. Well, and it's, I'm not trying to say there isn't any blame that goes on the government. Believe me, the way they like to get their hands into things, it just, but you know what I'm saying? I said, you're, you're blaming somebody who, uh, he can't set a price. It's not his job, yeah. And that's the thing. They said the price of a barrel of oil has really not increased. Since before all this started. So what what the devil is going on? Refineries are offline. They, well, did you see the baby formula thing? Yeah. You know, they, they've they made some changes, you know, baby formula. And the one company up in Sturgis was back making formula. They had been offline because there was some contamination or, or whatever. They were back online. And then that storm went through this week. And... They were without power, and so it's they've been out like two days that I know of. Oh, yeah, that's right. They and, had a flood in there, too, didn't they? Uh, maybe that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, and so two days, and now it's going to be at least two weeks before they're, I don't I guess, back up to full capacity or whatever. It's like, <sighs> I don't know. I just, we're, we're getting gouged. Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, people are, people are, come on, they're doing it on purpose. Nobody... Nobody uh, gain. Nobody. Nobody runs an oil company who's not interested in taking every last dime he can grab. So, you know, I. I just. I. I don't understand why we cry for them. I really don't. <laughs> I don't understand why we don't place that on the back of the person who's responsible for now, it. Now, somebody told me that part of this gas thing is because. Our government wants us to go to electric cars so that we're not, you know, we yeah, don't okay. have all the, the and, contamination in the air, you know, that all that kind of stuff. Yes, they do. But I've seen that, too, where, well, you know, do the math. It's conspiracy. They're trying to drive the other, other ones out, so you have to buy the electric car. Well, who's responsible for that? The automobile companies, because they don't want to change over just partially. Right. They need to change everything At over all. completely. Yeah to electric so how do they do that without taking a hit in their profits okay and i get it that's that's the logical progression of of that 
conspiracy, how it's all out. <laughs> oh, you know, put it together. Suddenly gas prices are out of this world and they're trying to go to electric. Figure they're it forcing out. Forcing us to go to well, electric. No, they, they'd love to. And I'm sure they'll do anything to push it along. But I'm not real sure they all got together with heads of government and decided I, that, I don't hey, think so. here's our plot. We're going to raise gas prices so high that people are going to just demand that we sell them electric cars. Exactly. That's that's what I'm seeing. Of course, no, now we're, well, that... we're going to talk to Dave Llewellyn in a little bit, and he's about electricity. Okay, imagine if everybody goes to an electric car and now we're all plugged in. And they have problems with the grid already. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I've wanted to have an electric car for years just because. You I, know, it would it would work if you were just an in-town person. Right. Which you basically are. And that's the, until you go to a ball game. That's the problem, though, is that until they, they figure out that long distance thing. Right. In, in the battery charge. What is it, like 300 I think it's 300 miles, miles. so you can go? Okay, it's 600 miles to Katie and Dave's house. So right. that means I've got to stop somewhere, which right now Halfway. we stop. We have to, we start, if we start with a full tank, we have to stop and get another full tank. And then we're cutting it very close. Like maybe within 50 miles left. Right. Um, you know, in our tank when we get right. there. 50 miles left you right. know our gas gauge will tell us how many miles we've got to go so does that mean that i'm going to have to drive part way to katie and dave's and i'm going to have to sit in um a rest park for a couple of hours to charge up right. before i can go and how much is that going to cost me i know i mean you pay for gas so you're going to have to pay for electricity okay i get that how long is it going to take to get a charge before I can be on the road again? Because, you know, you can stop at a gas station and you really, depending on how efficient you are, you're really only losing, I'd say, 10 to 15 minutes unless it could be 20 or 30, depending on, you know, if you go inside and look around or grab a bite to eat. Type, even if you're bringing the food with you, it's going to take a little more time. But, yeah. Um, but am I going to... How long is it going to take me to charge it? Right. I don't know. And, of course, obviously, when was the last time you drove down the road and saw a sign that says, charge your electric car here? <laughs> I mean, you see gas station signs up and down, you know, everywhere. But charging stations are not very common no. yet. No. And there's, there are problems with it. I just like the fact that it's clean. I like the fact that it's absolutely noiseless. Um. We have a battery-powered golf cart yeah. that I actually told Jim. I said, maybe we should get, you know, put that on, on the road and we could drive that into work every day. You know, that would you be You could tool fun. around town a little bit and then drive it home again. Um, but, you know, I'm, I mean, you still have to charge the batteries, uh, you know. Now, it would last, a, it should last us the whole day, depending on how much driving he would do during the right. day up here. Um. And it takes a specialized charger. It doesn't just plug into no. yeah. an electrical socket. So you had, then yeah. you'd have to carry this charger with you, or you'd have to have two, one here and one at work. I, I don't know. It's yeah, interesting, that, uh, though. That, that, there are problems they're going to have to work out before people jump on board with it. But I think once they see the ones they're making, they're going to realize they're not uh, 
I mean, they're not even making sports cars electric now. There's an electric. I've seen the Mustang, and Mustang. I don't like it at all. You don't all. like it at all. No, huh? I don't like the My looks son of wants it. to trade his car in and get one. <laughs> so, um, well, they, they, they're doing that. It, it, you can get the same kind of, well, maybe not totally the same kind of, but very close to the same performance out of an electric car as you can out of a, a regular one. Um, I know a couple of people who actually built their own electric cars. Wow. Here. Uh, there's a doctor over in Bremen who, who did that. He built hmm. his own cars. Because uh, I remember doing a story on him because it was one of those you know, Very human unique. interest things. Yes. You don't see too many too many people that build their own electric car. Uh, but no, not really. He loved it. He said, I can do anything in that. I did, you know, I'd go zero to 60 just like a regular car. Um, he says, in a, in a way, it gets a little, it's a little quicker. I've um, heard that. So, I don't know. I, it, and once again, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say, okay, slap the oil companies in this all chain. It's, it's like any other problem we have. Everything is so interconnected. There are a hundred different facets to this. Exactly. Like I said, the government, I'm, you know, I'm sure the president has something to do with it, with what he's done. I, you got the, the, for years, they've been gouging people on taxes on gasoline. So, yes. <laughs> and that becomes a slippery soap. Slope soap is slippery too. But um, you cut taxes and then not have road money. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know that's what I heard. That's what people wanted the governor here in Indiana to I do. Know, and it's and like, I, um, okay, but guess what? You know what are we going to do for the road program next year? Then yeah, I you know that that becomes a problem, and then you got. Uh, but, you know, and, and we should say, I don't think, I don't, the numbers aren't right at much, but I don't think the actual gas station itself makes all that much money. I don't either. No. I mean, it's some kind of all. a, I don't even think it's a dollar on a gallon. I, I would doubt it. I think it's way under that. I, I don't know. I don't think they make much. I mean, it's it not like. I feel like they. The billions the company's making. I think they really make their profit. On the coming inside the, stuff. Yeah, coming yes. into the convenience the, store. The pop yeah. and the candy bars and the yeah. chips and those kind of things instead. That's so. my guess, too. But I remember seeing numbers over and over again about how, you know, you can blame your gas station if you want, but they aren't really making a whole ton of... Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not they're not poor. <laughs> it's not like they're not making a profit of any kind, but they're not making well, a and, lot of money. And I am sure their profits have gone down somewhat. Oh, yeah. Because if you... Could hire a high school student to come in there at seven or eight dollars an hour, and now to get a high school in there, you've got to pay fourteen or fifteen dollars an hour. That's a big difference. So I can see the impact of that. Not not really a good thing. Uh. Somebody sent you yeah, a comment, and I'm trying to figure out how to get this into. <laughs> exactly. People, you know, they're texting. You know, right. So I'm trying to make sure I say what you can text the show at 574 307 6647. They say I'm wrong. Gas stations want people to think that. They they make the profit on the inside side stuff is, is incorrect. They don't make their profit there. I'm sure they make it on gas. Once again, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I know somebody who worked, managed a gas station. And her duty basically was to keep that inside store profitable. That that 
So I don't know. We'd have to talk to a gas yeah. station owner. Actually, I, I don't have the numbers out. at my hand, but I, I I can believe that too. I mean, I the whole thing is just a bunch of stuff. Now you I can't mean, just talk about oh, this, one. okay. Look at Bellman Oil. We'll just say yeah, because they're you know they're they've been a BP station. Now the BP station here is not actually operated by them anymore. Um, but you know how many gas stations do they have? Yeah, they're making decent money because they're not relying on one gas station for their whole profit. They have gas stations all around northern Indiana. So, obviously, they can do better because they have multiple gas stations. But, uh, yeah, I, I I don't think the gas station makes a ton of money off of the fuel supplies. Like I said, I, uh, I've seen numbers to the effect that they don't. But I, once again, I could be, I'm... I'm wrong more than I'm right, let's face it. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, it's but I just get tired of people wanting to blame. What, if we fix that, it's going to change it. Well, that'll fix a symptom of, but it's it's like a it's like a cold. If you continue to take uh, Nyquil for it, you know you're going to treat a symptom, but you still got the cold. It's not going away. It's very much like the overcrowding situation we've had in the jail. Mm-hmm. That there was not. There's not a one thing. If you do this, it's well, going to fix the overcrowding in the jail. We've done multiple things right. to fix that overcrowding in the jail. I was going to say, we've it's got taken... a fourth court. Um, so, you know, we, we can get people moved through faster. The probation department now, now does an assessment every day on who's new into the jail and the possibility of getting them released even without paying a cash bond or a reduced cash bond so that they're not sitting in there waiting for their time to go to court. Right. Um, community corrections has grown and gotten more people out of there. Sometimes people leave there on a and go to an ankle bracelet until they can get into the court system. Right. You know, I mean, we have done multiple things. We've asked officers, police officers, not to, you know, put somebody in jail for this minor offense. Instead, write them, is it called a promise to appear? Yeah, I think so. Something like that, you know, and and basically tell them, you know, you're in trouble, but this, we want you to show up, you know, on this date and you're going to see the judge and from, they will go from there. So, I mean, we've done multiple things. Right. Uh, there's not a one thing fixes it all. Right. It's going to take lots of things. And that's the way it is with everything. People, exactly. People think, you know. Yes. And I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. Getting a the, new president isn't well, going to fix no, it. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take something outside of government. But uh, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole at all. But it's just, I, I, the other thing I get tired of is people saying, well, you know, you need to, you need to ban guns. Or, no, everybody needs more guns. That's what's going to solve. No, it's not. The problem with all of that is there are at least four or five. Yeah, it is a gun problem. But it's a mental health problem, too. It's a parenting problem. Right. It's a societal problem. It's an ethics and morals problem. It's not one thing that's mm-hmm. going to change that. It's going to take a lot of people with a lot of different areas of expertise to sit down and really talk about doing something about it. 
on every level so it doesn't come back. And we don't want to do that. We want it to be over with so that's how it ends. Yep. Bang. It's quick and easy and now, we're done. You know what? We can try that if you want because that's what we'll do. We're a democracy. We do what everybody else wants to do. But it's not going to change anything. There, there are just to way it. too many things involved with that that need to be addressed drastically. And once again, not all of them directly relate to the school shootings. But it's because these situ like mental health. Do you have any idea how hard it is to get mental health in this country? Even if you have insurance. It's costly. It's enormously. Yes. And, and even if you can afford it. Can you get in? Will they take you? Because you have to be a certain level of mentally ill before they'll even <laughs> let you come in. But you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just there are, and, and that, that's part of it. Uh, I hear all the time, well, these blankety-blank parents. Yeah, that's part of it, too. Uh, I, so you got to fix it all or nothing is going to be fixed. And nobody wants to talk about it. They just want to have their one and done, and boom, that's it. Easy peasy. We're we're back to being living in a utopia. And uh -huh. I, no, it takes hard work to solve problems. How about your personal life? You ever just? It takes hard work. Yes, it does to solve your problems. And and there's not one quick fix for any of and it. And you got to be willing <laughs> to do the work. So I I don't know. I'm just. Same thing with gas. Somebody really wants to sit down and talk about it and do something about it. But nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. I would agree with you. So, anyway. Um, also in the local news, uh, from the Bourbon Town Council meeting on Monday evening, they actually approved hiring a high school student that's going to do some work around the parks and around town. Um, they actually did have put some money in this year's budget for seasonal assistance. And Kim Berger, Kim, yes, Kim yeah, Berger. Berger. Yeah, I had to think because I had it. I had it wrong. I had to change it. Kim Berger uh, told uh, the town council board that you know their regular employees just don't have the time to do this extra work yeah. that is needed. Um, and so Tucker Warsham um, is going to be working for the park department and and the city of Plymouth, basically doing some general maintenance type issues he's going to be paid 14 dollars an hour um it's kind of interesting because ward byers president president of the bourbon town council said that he's he's given him his marching orders and that's what he said um that okay. he has a list of things that he'll do weekly and then he actually has created a a couple of special projects that he'd like to see done too but Basically, you know, he's going to work the downtown corner at Bourbon and, and the horse barn over there to make sure right. that's cleaned up. He's going to help set up when it's Food Truck Fridays down there. Um, he's going to work around the ball diamonds, dressing up um, the way it looks around the ball diamonds by putting some gravel down. Um, he'll do weed control in multiple locations around the park department and in the downtown area. Um painting, I mean, just a variety of odds and ends jobs that the, the city wants completed, but they just don't have, their, their regular staff is busy doing their regular stuff. So um, 
Roger Terry, who is the street superintendent, will be his direct supervisor. And then he'll also report to uh, Kim in the clerk's office for the payroll stuff. And if something else comes up that, that either one of them sees that he should be working on, then they'll add that to it. Uh, the board unanimously approved hire, his hiring. And then Kim Berger also uh, said, <clears throat> excuse me, asked for permission. Um, and this is her quote. Due to a lot of problems with Republic service over the last several years, I would like permission from the board to bid the trash contract, which expires on December 31st, 2022. And a lot of people and a lot of communities have had issues with Republic services. Well, just so you know. How was your trash pickup this week? I didn't check it this morning before I walked in, but it was still there yesterday night. And when Wednesday, is Wednesday is the pickup. Now they got the recycling. Oh well, but but the trash, the trash. And I'm hoping because I didn't get the recycling till yesterday. I'm hoping that sometime today. Well, I'm hoping sometimes yesterday they got it because I haven't been back there since like okay. late afternoon. But yeah. it was still there in the late afternoon, so. Well, that's, and I know, they they apparently, too, have I, been running yeah. into, you know, employee problems. The thing is, you know, it's hard to find people to work. But yeah. if you can't find people to work, you know whose job it is to get it done? The boss. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have to go put the boss in the truck and make him go do it. So, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting. I don't know when the city of Plymouth's uh, contract is up. But I know the city has gotten the same complaints over well, and over. And honestly, and it seems like it's the same areas that are yeah. not getting picked up. To be honest, it doesn't hurt to bid that stuff out anyway. Every really? few years, Don't I you think, think you should, yes. I mean, I understand somebody wanting to lock up a number of years because it costs them money to, to come up here Certainly. and do that. It costs them a considerable amount, but... I don't think it hurts anything so you do a to open it up. So you do a three-year contract yeah. or, And know. then then bid it out again. Right. I I don't see anything wrong with that. To me, that's just checking and seeing if you can find something better. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? I don't, if you can get a better price. Right. I don't, and, and a better service. I don't have a problem with them doing that. I mean, and you end up going with the same one, it's fine. But it opens it up, and maybe somebody will come along and give you a deal. Well, Bourbon's going to make a change, apparently. Well, at least they hope They're to. They're going to look they at it. They plan to. Yeah. So we'll see. And I think, I honestly think, you know, part of this has revolved around recycling. The Marsh County Solid Waste, you know, and the commissioners demanded that everybody... Offer recycling. Well, right. that's kind of recycling is a good thing, and I still try and do it at home, but it doesn't pay like it used to pay. Right. So it's harder, you know, to get people to do it. And if it's not paying, it's not really being beneficial, right. then we use a service at home that does not offer recycling. Yeah. So if we recycle, it means we have to bag it ourselves and take it to the recycle depot ourselves. Right. Or bring it in town and put it in town or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, You're but You're not supposed yeah. to do that. We well, we use <laughs> we use a, a an outside service in town too. So Oh, okay. Yeah, but you know, and, and that's you you'll see people change over to a different service because 
of service. I exactly. mean, you come every week well, and pick up our trash like they're supposed to. Once again, let's go back to capitalism. There you go. <laughs> if you don't meet your customers' demands, they're not going to be willing to pay your price. So, And what they may find out when they put it out to bid is that nobody will bid it because it's, they can't make any money And that could so, be. So, you know, that... that I, I just don't see anything wrong with going through that process. I have to agree. For anything. Right. Because I, you know, once again. It's something you don't want to have to do every year. Well, if you want to buy a new car. But every few years, I think you should. Just like health insurance. Yeah. Well, you want to buy a new car, what do you do? You go out and you compare. And right. You, you know, you don't just, okay, well, I've always, well, some people might just because they trust them. But most of the time, you don't just say, well, I've always bought there. I'm buying again. I don't care what I get. Just give me a car. You know. You, you, I don't know too many of those people. You, I know some people who, you know, I'm thinking there are some people who are very loyal to their, to their dealership. to their brand yeah. or or their dealership. Yeah. I, I get that, but even then, you still go look at the cars and then yeah. you look at the price of the sure. cars before you decide which one. I that's mean, my they, point. Yeah. You, you put it out literally for bid or what it would be personally. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I don't see any. I, I even if I'm the business that they're putting out the bid that I'm doing right now, I'm thinking, well, that. You know, that keeps me on my toes, too. I shouldn't be afraid to, you know, try to match somebody with that. It just seems like we live in the society that that's how we do business. So let's do business that way. You it's said just it. Whatever. I don't know. All right. Why don't we take our first break? We got stuff to give away today. Okay. Uh, we'll hold on to that. It's food today. That's good. That's um, always good. We've got first Inwood United Methodist Churches. Every year we have these. These. This is amazing. Uh, homemade ice cream social. It supports their missions. And we're talking um, about homemade vanilla, oh, chocolate, yep. strawberry, and their famous black walnut. I was going to say the black walnut yep. is the one everybody you know fights over. So uh, this is homemade ice cream, too. This isn't like scoop it out of a pl- no, uh, box. Exactly. Uh, so, and they got everything. They got, uh, what is it, sandwiches and stuff, too? They Barbecue also have, sandwiches yeah. with vegetables, homemade pies, plus your drink. Tickets are $10 a piece for adults and $5 for kids 7 to 12. If you're 6 and under, you're actually free. And uh, they're located, in case you just want to head out there. June 25th is the date on this. From Next four, Saturday. 4 to 7. They're on uh, Hawthorne Road, 11211 Hawthorne Road in Plymouth. Uh, and we will roll the dice and come up with caller number 6 is going to get a couple of freebies. So uh, caller 6, 574-936-4096. 574-936-4096. Caller 6. Going to get a couple of tickets to the Inwood United Methodist Church Homemade Ice Cream Social. Take to tackle a home project. With Angie, you could cross it off your list before this ad is over. Just tell us what you need. Indoor or outdoor, repair or redesign. And we handle the rest. Sending a top pro to get it done. You don't have to lift a finger, except to tap the screen or click the mouse. Plus, Angie is free to use. So bring us your next home project, and we'll bring it home. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com to get started. The Labor Day weekend concert you asked for. B100 and Plymouth Motor Speedway welcome. Chris Jansen. September 4th at Plymouth Motor Speedway. Doors open at 3 p.m. 
Jansen, live in concert. Have the keys to the cage, to the Johnson's Lake. A little honey hole to take you, honey. I ain't got the keys to the city, but I got the keys to the country. With special guest, Parmalee. Take my days, baby, take my nights. Go and take the rest of Also appearing, Shane Prophet, Levi Riggs, and more. Tickets go on sale June 10th at 10 a.m. at the box office and at PlymouthMotorspeedway.com. General admission and reserved seating available. Chris Jansen in concert. Turn those horses loose and get your tickets now. Produced by Plymouth Motor Speedway. Are you looking for a new hauler for trash removal? Call Apex Waste. Large or small, we'll take your call. When you choose Apex Waste, there's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and no taxes. What we say is what you pay. Apex Waste is a local, family-owned company that is dedicated to reliable, friendly service. Call Apex Waste at 574-896-APEX. That's 574-896-2739. Or visit us online at apexwaste.net. High school football season is right around the corner. That means it's time for the Rocky Auction here on WTCA. June 24th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. We'll be auctioning off all kinds of items with every dime going to help support Plymouth Rocky football. Make sure you call during normal business hours and get your bid number 574-936-4096. Tune in June 24th and bid often to help Plymouth football in our Rocky football auction. Go! One, two, three, song about electricity because it powers our lives, makes it possible for us to thrive. Because it powers our lives, makes it possible for us to thrive. Four, five, six volt up potential difference makes electrons go round if the circuit is complete and sound. Circuits closed, voltage there, current flows, power everywhere. We use AC in factories and holes because we can't transform it. High voltage transmits. I said, what is electricity? You're tuned in to What's Your Opinion on WTCA Employment. Be part of the conversation by calling 574-936-4096 or text the show at 574-307-6647. And now here's Kathy and Rusty. Song about electricity. Yeah, I kind of Perfect got that. segue. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I'm known for, man. That's what I'm known for. Uh, I did not get a winner's name, so I'll go get that okay. uh, as we And we'll start the interview. Here. Yes, we can do that. We have Dave Llewellyn with us this morning from Marshall County REMC. Good morning, Dave. Morning. Appreciate you guys having me in. Oh, we're glad to have you in and... It kind of goes hand in hand with a couple of different things. Last week, I got a press release from REMC um, talking about, you know, the future of power and what's happening. And the one thing that kind of stepped out in my mind was temporary power outages, it said. 
Um, and then, of course, you know, we just come off of two extremely hot days where a lot of people, I'm sure, were cranking that thermostat down to make it cooler in their homes, which doesn't actually help, help the situation. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then we had storms go through this week, too, that fortunately didn't impact us nearly as much here. But So there's a lot of different things to talk about. Yeah, um, absolutely. Where do you want to start? Well, I guess first, let me just kind of back up just a little bit and kind of explain Marshall County REMC and where sure. we are in the power grid um, space. So Marshall County REMC, we buy all of our power from Wabash Valley Power in Indianapolis. And um, us and 22 other REMCs in the northern part of the state, all are member owners of Wabash Valley Power. And so we have an all-power contract with them. So all of our power we purchase for our members within Marshall County and the surrounding counties comes through them. And so Wabash Valley is considered a G&T or a Generation and Transmission Cooperative. So they're responsible for having a power portfolio um, of generation, which can be a mix of you know anything from coal to renewables, and uh, that's where we get our power. So what you've been hearing a lot about lately is kind of a concern with uh, power shortages in the Midwest. Yes. And to be honest, that doesn't come down. It affect, could affect or can affect easily our members here at Marshall County REMC. But the reality is the level where that concern is happening is much higher than us. It's more on the transmission side, ah. which would be your high uh, power lines you see on the large tower structures. Okay. And it's going to be uh, the infrastructure that's basically connected directly to where the power is being generated. So it's the lines that transport the power from where it's being generated to where it's going to be used. So Wabash Valley and Marshall County REMC in the Midwest here, we sit within the footprint of what is called MISO, which is the Mid-Continent Independent System Operators. And so they're responsible for making sure that the transmission infrastructure to move all that power works properly, has enough generation and capacity, and the power gets to where it needs to go. And that is the level right now um, where the concern is, is at that transmission level. So many things are, are leading to this. Uh, one is the extreme weather conditions that we've had over the last few years and continue to have. Um, there is capacity shortfalls in power, and I'll explain that a little bit more as we talk, but a lot of it is due to the rapid shift to decarbonize. Um, which I believe is a good thing, but it's, it's a thing that you've got to move to cautiously. And right now we are in a, a trend where we're moving very rapidly in that direction, and it is causing a lot of our baseload coal, which is your tried-and-true power generation, right. um, to be shut down because it's no longer economical. So as that baseload goes away, the kind of, I guess, replacement for that is renewables. And that is a great thing and a great thing long-term, but once again there's a pace that it has to go at in order for that to happen in a way that keeps the stability of the power grid. So, you know, when you're in the power industry, your number one goal is to provide affordable power and, and, and provide reliable power. I mean, those are your two key components that you look for. And with the, the climate that we're in right now with these weather conditions and the shortfalls on, on capacity and, and in generation, um, we're just starting to destabilize that, the, the affordability and the reliability. So if we're not going to use coal or we're trying to pull away from coal, what else? I mean, I know we, ha we have a new company coming to town that is going to take 
fruits and vegetables, but they're making gas. Correct. And so that doesn't help us on the electric side of things. So Well, that's a, actually a great segue because um, the, I guess, the resource or the fuel source that is kind of the stepping stone and very critical um, to move from coal to these renewables is natural gas. And natural gas is a great um, fuel mix because it can, be, it can be used for peaking plants. So a coal plant, to, to get that coal plant up to speed and running, takes many days to get the boilers heated up. Yeah. There's a lot of things that have to happen. So you don't just start up a coal plant, shut it down, start it up. But a peaking plant, which are your plants that fill in the gaps, are As gas plants. As in when we got a peak need for... for when you're starting electric. to run short on power or uh -huh. whatever, they can fire up these gas plants... Um, within hours and be generating that power. Hmm. So, so the natural gas is critical um, kind of as our stepping stone. The problem is um, a few years ago we had a hundred year supply of natural gas within the country and natural gas was very cheap. You know, a year ago I think it was three to four dollars um, a million BTU of natural gas, which is how you measure it. And currently natural gas is running, um, I just looked yesterday, anywhere from 8 to $9 for a million BTU. So the reason that, that kind of happened and what led to that, um, we, we have more demand for natural gas as these coal plants are shut down because we're now burning more gas. Mm -hmm. And then we've also um, had some pipeline constraints, and then we also have liquefied a lot of our natural gas and sent it to Europe. So as all that happened, our 100-year supply of natural gas has dwindled and... Uh, Prices have gone up, and it's now not nearly as cheap as what it used to be, which then drives power cost up, which ultimately ends, you know, at the consumer. So, And I do want to say Divert is the company that's coming, and obviously they're not even actually online yet, and it's a three-phase process for them. The first one yep. is just bringing the fruits and vegetables in, and then the next process, there's another step before they get to that final. So we're talking several years out Right. Before they can do gas, but Huyen Farms, yep, absolutely on the south end they where the, they have all those cows out there. <laughs> yeah, the digest methane digest. They're, dy they're dy making gas. Yes, correct. <laughs> and so, um, Homestead Dairy is a great local example of renewables. So they're taking the manure product and some food product, mixing it together in their digesters, and that methane that comes off there is captured and then used to run diesel or uh, gas methane generators. And they create all this power that's then pushed back onto the electric grid. Some okay. of it's for self-use, and it's a very efficient process. Um, Wabash Valley Power, who we buy our power from, also does the same thing on a bigger scale, like at the landfill, at the county line okay, landfill. Okay, sure. So they capture the methane off that landfill. It's then pumped across the street to a small power plant. They use that methane gas to run generators that then create the power and back onto the grid. So, hmm, Interesting. Do you remember when they put that little plant in by the landfill uh -uh. they had to have that uh they had to have a, a variance because the landfill's in Fulton one county, county and the, thing is the plant the is across the street in another <laughs> county so they they were talking about how that was going to work but i remember when they put that in it, we do that at several, Wabash Valley in their portfolio has several landfills where they capture methane. It actually produces a, a quite a bit of power. Oh, that's that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I would much rather see it happen that way than uh, sometimes you'll drive by a plant and you'll see this, the fire, yep. especially in the evening where they're yep. basically just burning it off. Exactly. The it's methane off. Methane. I mean, yeah, it's like, no, let's use this stuff. It, Correct. It's good for something. So that's kind of neat. So... You know, the other piece of that, too, for the renewable side of thing, 
does solar fit into there? Absolutely. Solar, um, over the years, has, has become much more cost-effective, and the um, generation capacity of your panels has gone up, so your production and efficiency is way up. Um, I don't know that from a residential standpoint that we're quite there yet um, to have it make perfect financial sense in most scenarios, but on a big scale, it, it definitely has come around and, and has become a key piece of our power production. The problem with solar is obviously it's intermittent. So, you, you know, you don't have... If you've got a sunny day, you're yeah, doing great. Yeah, so it's a great resource. It has its uh, definite need in our power, power system and power grid. The problem with solar right now is we do not have the battery storage or the technology mm. there to use it how we really need to, to to have the greatest impact on the power grid. So um, basically is what you would want to do in an ideal situation is generate that power during the sunny time put it into battery storage so that way in the dark hours and in the intermittent times you can release that power back to the grid um, and, and use the power efficiently. But right now with battery storage it's come a long ways. Um, it's definitely improving every month, every year, and the costs are coming down, but it's still one of those things that the technology just is not quite there from a utility standpoint. And uh, one of the things I guess that I would say, you know, for example, the batteries that we have right now, the max output is about four hours. So you charge it up and you can dis discharge it for about four hours, uh, which really isn't a long enough time right. from a utility standpoint to do what you need to do. So like I said, it's improving and I think we'll get there. Once again, it's just we got we to gotta take our time to make sure that we don't um, destabilize the grid in the process. Uh, you know, and then another one that... There has been interest here in the county more than once, um, and it is growing around our area, too, is, is wind. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we, we've seen all the windmills drive on 30, you know, yep. go in their directions. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> a few years ago, there was the plan to put some windmills up here. Um, yeah, so um, I think that wind is still a viable option but i think you're going to see less and less as solar has developed and and the technology with solar has come along i think that that probably is going to take the place long term of most wind and uh i just i just don't think you'll see as much of it long term the wind side i think it's going to be more solar so uh, how many customers how many they're, they're not customers for remc they're actually Member owners. owners correct right so how many roughly are there um, we have about 6,400 members, and then we have about 7,300 meters. So some of those members obviously have multiple accounts, multiple meters. Okay. And then that's for Marshall County REMC. Correct. Then then Wabash Valley Power is a much bigger area. Yeah, they have 22 then of, of the REMCs like Marshall County REMC wow. that are all owners of Wabash Valley, just like our members are owners of us. So it's the cooperative model. You know, when you think about it. So the problem with not being able to maybe have enough electricity isn't Marshall County REMC's problem necessarily. I mean, it's not caused by anything sure. you guys have done. It's not caused by Wabash Valley. Correct. But it's the bigger guy up from there even. Yeah. So I think probably one of the biggest issues in our country right now is the need for transmission lines, the high voltage, high tower lines that are connecting the generation plants to where the power is going to be used. And that infrastructure um, is aged. It has a lot of need for upgrades and improvements. And then there's a lot of need for new infrastructure 
to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars to be able to take the power and the congestion off the current infrastructure and be able to take the power from the solar farms and where the power is being generated and get it to where it needs to be and be used. So right now that's one of the biggest problems is we can we can put these solar farms in, but you've got to get the power to where it's needed and the transmission infrastructure um, is either aged or not in place to do that. And as you can imagine, when you go to do a project like that, a transmission project, there's a lot of pushback um, from property owners, um, which we saw through we Marshall County. We just did that, didn't we, a few years ago? Absolutely. And so it's becoming harder and harder to the point it's almost impossible at times to get that done. And then the cost, the cost is just astronomical to build this stuff now. And then the time frame, by time you go through kind of the, the red tape and the regulation that has to be done um, and worked through to do this, it just, it doesn't happen overnight. And so that is our biggest need is we have a huge problem with our transmission infrastructure and a huge need. And it's going to take a lot of time and planning and, and that's all happening now, but it's going to take a lot of time before we get there. So the new lines that went through just a few years ago that basically sit you want to say right next to the old lines correct we're using both of those correct but the new line you know people i think had a lot of question of why we didn't why the power and it wasn't marshall that's not a marshall county right. rmc project but um why the power circuit wasn't just put on the existing towers on right. the opposite side well, that sounds and sounds just on the surface and in theory um, great, but from an engineering standpoint, those existing tower structures are not engineered and designed to carry the weight of the new lines. So those lines are much, much bigger, and the towers had to be bigger. And so from an engineering standpoint, it just did not work to do that. So it required a whole separate tower structure. And that power um, in those towers is actually being used to move from the move the power from the wind generators down towards Lafayette. Um, there's a huge wind farm down there. When they created that, they needed the power in Topeka, Indiana, which is in the far northeast part of the, of the state. And so those towers had to be built to move the power to where it needed to be used within NIPSCO's footprint. So that tower line was basically built solely to move the renewable wow. energy from one point in the state to another point where it needed need to be used. So, And... Then, like like the days that we had on Tuesday and Wednesday, when the heat index was at a hundred or more, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm sure there were so many people, yep. you know, going to the thermostat and cranking it down so it's cooler in their home because it's so hot outside. <laughs> in my home, I, and I was honestly in my home, we are set somewhere between seventy four and seventy six degrees. Yep. And, and every degree makes a big difference from a power company standpoint when we are in a critical load time. Um, if you can raise that thermostat a few degrees, it definitely makes a big difference as a whole if everybody participates. So um, when we have those days, like these few that we've had here lately, kind of Marshall County REMC does have a piece in helping with, with um, kind of curtailing some of the, the issues with demand. So as what happens, Wabash Valley Power, who we buy our power from and we're part owner of, they have a load shed program that we participate in. So our members within Marshall County can sign up for what we consider a load control switch. And it's a switch that we come out and we put on either your air conditioner or all, any three, but your air conditioner, your water heater, or a pool pump, which are some of your big users, mm -hmm. obviously, in the heat. And so the switch gets installed, and most of the year it does nothing. I mean, pretty much all the year it does nothing. 
But if we get to a point, and, and actually the other day we got close to having an event um, where MISO will contact Wabash Valley and say, look, the transmission grid is really strained. We need you to put your procedures in place. So then Wabash Valley will reach out to all of our member, 22 member REMCs within the northern part of the state, and they will implement a load shed program. So as what happens, all those switches um, will be put into put into effect and so um, air conditioners automatically will cycle on and off in like 15 minute cycles water heaters will cycle on and off pool pumps will cycle on and off and it does a huge um, benefit in lowering the demand on Wabash Valley hmm. system as a whole which ultimately helps MISO and the transmission grid and then our members for having those switches um, get paid for have, allowing us to have that switch on their device so so do you know everybody in 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 the county that has a pool and in the rural part of the county that oh hey did you see the neighbors down the street put a pool in we got to go see if they, we can put a switch on for them or, yeah i mean, I mean we have you... we have a whole program for that we market it um and then we work throughout the year to install those switches just to to be able to have the benefit and in it by us allowing our members to put the switches on it helps lower marshall county remc's power cost too because wabash valley pays us Marshall County REMC for participating in the program, mm -hmm. and then we return a good portion of that money to the members. So, so I I would assume obviously you know noonish to four or five o'clock is the the main drain on um, the system. Honestly, right now, typically the biggest. You're, you're correct, but I think that it's typically from two p.m. to about eight p.m. But on Marshall County REMC's system, usually our peak time is somewhere in that 5 to 7 o'clock range. Everybody's getting home, ah. um, starting to do laundry, you know, cooking, cooking yeah. all that type of stuff. Your showers, water heaters are kicking on. You've come home and you've adjusted your thermostat, you know, while you're not at home. It's yep. higher. They come home, you turn it down. Turn it down. Wow, I didn't even think about that. And then, that. you know, yeah, one okay. of the things that's not a huge issue now but will continue to grow and, and I expect fully expect that uh, at some point it will become more of an issue for us is electric vehicles. You know, if you come home at five o'clock and, <laughs> the, and first the first thing, thing you're going to do, do is you're going to want to plug your car in. So that is where Marshall County REMC also long-term is looking at trends for electric vehicles. We work with the Department of Motor Vehicles. You can see how many electric vehicles are registered within counties. And so we look at all that data and see how as it grows because we've got to be ready for it on the Marshall County REMC network and have the capacity available and then um, also work with those people that have the electric vehicles long term to educate them that you know if you can plug in at midnight versus five o'clock it helps everybody as a whole and there's even some rate things we can do long term to incentivize that by you know making off-peak billing windows type things for electric vehicle charging where if you charge from midnight to five in the morning the rates much lower so you know, we don't currently have that, but that's all things that are that are being looked at. So, I didn't think about that. And, of course, you know, midnight would be nice, but if you go to bed at 10, it's still better to just before you get in bed, yeah. plug that car in instead of plugging it in the well, minute a, you drive home. And when I say plug in, too, the technology there um, has come a long way. And most of these electric vehicles, you can program it. So you can plug it in when you get home, but you can tell it not to charge till midnight or whatever, and it'll just start automatically at the time you tell it. So you don't physically have to go plug it in right at midnight. Oh, I mean, okay. it can all be pre-planned, programmed. A lot of it's even controlled by your phone. I mean, there's apps on your phone you can you can control all that. So now there are are ways that people can help out. Little things. Any, I, I, I'm 
I'm terrible around here, but I go around shutting off all the lights. Um, sometimes Rusty has a fan down there running. I'll come in in the morning and, or at, in the evening and shut his fan off. Um, he's not I here and the fan's still running. I don't ever forget things like that. <laughs> um, Neither do my kids. I, I'm sure he's noticed I've been shutting the air conditioner off uh, when he takes off in the afternoon because... It's like, okay, nobody's going to be here from 2 o'clock in the afternoon until 7 o'clock the next morning. Why are we running the air conditioner that whole yeah. time? All so, those little things help. I, I mean, and especially when you start, you know, doing that across a whole county, a whole state, All everybody's taking those little steps. It makes a big difference. That's, that's good. Um, in the press release that you put out, um, there was some information where you can go to actually get some tips on how to help out and, yeah. and things you could do in your own home. Or your business to help out. Yeah, so Wabash Valley Power, um, who we own, has a site um, called Power Moves, powermoves.com. And through that site, you can put in your zip code, which will drive you down to Marshall County REMC. And we'll show programs we offer, like the load control switch program that I talked about. And then there's also a lot of other interesting information on there about how you can, how you can help us. So, and it's not just REMC customers. Yeah. I mean, in reality, it it's is all everybody, correct? Um, all the way around. So. Yeah, your your investor-owned utilities like your Nipscos and your Impa utilities like your Town of Argus and Bremen, you know, they're all in the same. We're all in the same boat. So um, everybody's looking at ways to keep the power on and and be more efficient and and all of that. So, so what you're telling us for the rural customer actually fits for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing, talking about these high-power transmission lines and stuff, Rusty brought up um, that he had heard, um, and it's basically out in the California area, that um, those some of those transmission lines have sparked wildfires, mm -hmm. and they've actually fined the provider, he said, a billion dollars for doing those, and they're trying to figure out ways to avoid that. Uh, and he, he, so we were talking this morning and he goes i don't think they would put them underground but i don't do you know what what happens there so obviously that's a as a huge net network you know transmission network and like i said a lot of it has aged the, and so i think yeah. some of those fines are because after they've done the research the maintenance maybe hadn't been done like it should have to possibly avoid this but you know, once again, there are going to be situations where I don't care how well you maintain the lines. Those incidents can still happen. Um, you could have a storm event come through that takes one of those transmission lines down. It stays energized as soon as it hits the ground, starts a fire. Um, so I think that uh, burying them is not really an option. Mm -hmm. When you look at those lines and the size of the lines, that's why they're up on those towers to keep it away from everything. Uh, because of the amount of power that's in it and to try to bury that across the country would be a monumental task and an unbelievably expensive so i don't think you'll see that i think most of the transmission you're going to see aerial but um it's going to need upgraded and, and new so and is there is there anything that you can do because i you would almost think like it's kind of <laughs> too simple you know you unplug it out of the wall and oh no i have no power so I would think that wire going down the road, the side of the road, when somebody hits that tele that 
pole. It would and go that, out. That, yes, and it would go out, but that's not typically what happens. Yeah, so we actually just experienced this the other night. Unfortunately, there was a bad auto accident down near the Culver area, um, and they, they took out one of our poles, and the line stayed energized um, even after the pole was totally wiped out. And so it does happen. And so our, our system, um, the reality is it's not designed to protect humans. It's not designed to protect animals. It is to be reliable. So in order to be reliable, we want to keep the power on in every situation um, that we can. So when, when a storm goes through, a tree falls on the line, there's an auto accident that causes our lines to hit together, anything like that, we have devices out on the line that are like a breaker in your breaker panel of your house. Um, but they're automated. So when they sense that fault or whatever it is on the line, it, it knows that and it opens that breaker automatically. And then it waits a few seconds to see if the fault is going to clear. So if it's a tree branch and maybe just hit the line and bounced off, okay. that fault cleared. Now that breaker will try to reset and it will try to sense if that fault is still there. If the fault's still there, it will open back up, wait a minute, uh, you know, however long we have it programmed and it will try to reset and it will do that up to three times and if the fault still exists the line will then or the breaker will then remain open and it will require a lineman to go out and take intervention find the problem fix it reset the breaker so there's a whole process to it but our lines are designed you know to keep the power on <laughs> so it, it's not to protect humans unfortunately and just as a safety precaution then if you're involved in an accident and you do hit a utility pole mm -hmm. You should stay in your car. Absolutely. Don't step out. Yeah, the best thing you can do if you're involved in an auto accident um, where you've hit a utility pole and you have any concern at all that the lines are down, um, the best thing you can do is stay in that vehicle, call 911, and wait for the utility to arrive. 911, we work together closely daily. Um, they will contact us immediately. Our crews will get there. Um, we've always got somebody on standby 24 hours a day, and they will make sure that they get that, that line de-energized and get you out of that vehicle safely so because the ambulance service can't they don't know how to do it so Correct. they they can be standing there looking at you but until somebody shows up from the company to turn that power Correct. off they're, they're yeah, they just don't they, they don't have the tools and the expertise right. to be able to deal with it so they have to stand down until we arrive a lot of times and that was the um the case we had the other night you know there was vehicle entrapment with lines down and they wait until we get there so and which would be the same thing um my son works for the county highway department mm -hmm. so the tree falls in the storm and it takes down a power line he can't go move the tree Correct. and cut up that tree until the guys from our emc show up yeah they cut they cut the power and then and that's they one of the that things out. that so you I guess guys work hand in hand with a lot of different people. Absolutely. And one of the things too, just that's a great point. We see quite often during these storms, storm events and things where um, a tree goes down through the line, the lines are laying on the ground and people assume those lines are de-energized. And a lot of times they are, but you just, you know, you don't, you cannot see, see electricity. You cannot smell it. Um, a lot of times that line will not be arcing and sparking, but it can still be energized. So even if the line is not energized and you go to move that line, there could be a, one of those automated breakers that tries it's to reset right just by chance yeah. and could try to re-energize that line. And if you're on the other end of that, it's not going to be a good situation. So, you know, just let the experts get there and deal with it. And uh, once we clear the line, then you, you're more than more than welcome to have at the firewood or whatever you want to do. <laughs> but but we see that quite a bit. So that storm that came through, mm -hmm. um, that we got we we had quite a bit of lightning. 
um, yeah, that a, night. It, it, it was, was an amazing lightning show for yes, sure. Yes, it was. Um, but fortunately, uh, you know, we didn't have a, a, a drastic <clears throat> amount of damage here. But your guys have been out working that. Yeah, so um, actually I had a marathon board meeting Monday night, and so we were just wrapping up around 10 o'clock, and our directors and myself were leaving our building, and I mean, the lightning was amazing in the north sky, and I got kind of my anxiety I get when you see these storms <laughs> coming through when you're a utility person, and so we watched it, and I watched it on the radar, and you know there was a, a massive uh, cell that developed north of us, and we were kind of just on the tail end, so really in Marshall County, we got mostly just wind, uh, or not wind, we got mostly just rain and the lightning, but all the way from Benton Harbor, uh, Michigan, all the way through Fort Wayne, you know, they got the straight line winds. Um, I think Fort Wayne Airport had sustained wind of 98 miles an hour. Wow. And there were some areas that reported over that way, 148 mile an hour gusts. So, <laughs> so yeah, there was extensive damage. Um, there is thousands of crew of utility workers that have come from other areas that are over helping all the way through Fort Wayne to Benton Harbor. Um, we got the call right away from Northeastern REMC and through Wabash Valley and through our statewide organization and everything, we have a mutual aid agreement in the state. And then with our statewide, we have mutual aid with other states. So there is a massive network that is all prearranged, pre-set up for when these storm events happen to get help immediately. Um, so we right away, uh, Monday night, got the phone call from our statewide organization that Northeastern REMC and Kosciuszko REMC definitely needed some help. And so we you know, we have a small staff at Marshall County REMC, so we can't let everybody go, even though right. we would love to send everybody to help. Um, we sent a two-man crew in a bucket. So Doug McLean and uh, Chris Lawler, both from Marshall County REMC, arrived Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., and they've been working there ever since. So 16-hour um, days uh, in this heat and just, go, just going. And so Tuesday night I got a phone call from Doug, um, one of our linemen over there, and he had just gotten onto a section of line where they had 14 poles in a row laying down on the ground. Mm. So, so, and, and so those people have been out of power um, since Monday night at 10 o'clock, some of them, and are just now getting restored in this heat. So, Oh, my heavens. And so while he's over there working, we pay him, REMC, Marshall County pays him so for that's that? A, so that's all, great question, but... Um, so that's all prearranged. So Northeastern REMC will compensate back Marshall County REMC for all of his uh -huh. time. We get paid for our bucket truck, fuel. I mean, that's all. That's why I said that is all prearranged. It's an amazing wow. network, and, and it's very efficient, um, and they work very safe. So, That's pretty amazing. Um, do we ever send people, like, way down south? Oh, absolutely. Yes? Um, We've had people all the way down on the coast in some of the hurricane events. Uh, we've recently had people down in Tennessee and Kentucky when they had some storm events. So, yeah, it's not just Indiana. It's all over. And when, when these uh, events happen, the electric utilities and not just the REMCs, they all pull together and work together to make it happen. They realize how critical the power is and, and how important it is to get it restored as quickly as possible. We all know how critical it is, especially when you don't have it and, and you're like... <laughs> What am, Flipping what on am light I switches and you know yes. it's off, but yeah, you still exactly. just by habit or turning them on. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't realize until it's not there. I can't. I can't do anything. Like I had my computer. One of the last storms, I had my computer battery was good, so it's like, all right, my battery's good. You know, get my computer out. No internet. I have no internet. <laughs> it's not, darn, this isn't gonna work. Yeah, I had, to, I had to explain me. that to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't understand why the internet wasn't working when the so, power was out. Uh, well, 
Let's. Do we have a phone call? Yeah, we do. Okay. Dwayne, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing fine. Great. Hey, I have a question, Mr. Electric. Yeah. Okay. Fire away. All right. I live at Pretty Lake. Uh-huh. And you don't know how frustrating it is when we have a storm or get the hard rain come through. Uh-huh. And we lose all power. I look across the lake, and everybody on the other side, the north side of the lake, has got lights on. Uh-huh. Uh, how, how can you... Uh, Explain that. So the north side of the lake is actually a different utility. Um, it's it's NIPSCO, yeah. Correct. And so the so I, I'll try to explain this the best I can. But so the circuit that feeds out to Pretty Lake um, comes out of the substation, I believe, right there in Plymouth. So it's a pretty short um, path from the substation where the power is being transformed from the transmission lines down to uh, be sent out on the distribution lines of NIPSCO. And so that circuit between Pretty Lake and where it's being fed out of is pretty short. Where the south side of Pretty Lake that is fed by Marshall County REMC, that is a much longer circuit um, from our substation to get there. So the more miles of line you have, the more risk there is for outages. And a lot of that is is truly caused uh, by... Uh, why do I, what do I have to do to get our side of the lake to be <laughs> NIPSCO? Uh, well, I wish that was I wish that was an easy option. We have people ask all the time, how can we switch from one utility to you guys or vice versa? And the reality is, in in the state of Indiana, that's virtually impossible. The territories are set um, by the Indiana Regulatory Commission, literally down to the foot. Every square foot of Indiana is a specific utility, and you can't just switch from one utility to the other. So basically, it is based off of your property location, the, the electric utility provider that is there. So um, we definitely work every day to try to try to make things better. Um, a lot of the issues are animals and trees. That's probably our two biggest uh, enemies right now with these power outages and blinks. And so we're spending you know over half a million dollars a year just on our system to try to clear trees. Uh, with the emerald ash well, I always try to help you out with the animal. If I see a groundhog, <laughs> I give it a diet of 22 hollow points. Yeah, the, the more the better. And, and a lot of times um, it's squirrels and raccoons. You know, we see a lot of that. Uh, they get up on the line and get between, you know, the energized line and, and a path to ground and causes an outage, so causes an electrocution <laughs> absolutely a lot of times unfortunately you know we we take a lot of steps also to protect animals and to avoid those situations uh by putting you know we have squirrel and animal guard so if you drive down the road right. and you see that black band around the pole that looks like a plastic piece around the pole you know that is squirrel guard or animal guard that is designed so when those animals climb up the pole they get to that point and they can't climb it because it's slick so you know we take a lot of steps like that to try to prevent these incidents covering our insulators up on top of our transformer so when a bird lands on it for example a hawk or an eagle um, they don't get injured so we try our best but obviously you can't avoid all those situations so Dwayne, your only your uh, option is to sell your house and move to the other side of the lake well or <laughs> just rely on marshall county remc to work to keep making it better um, which we do daily. I can tell you we want to keep the power on to you as much as you do. So that is our goal every day when we wake up is to try to keep the power on and make it as affordable as possible. So. You'd be surprised how many people have my cell phone number when these storms roll through. I get a lot of phone calls, so which is fine. I, I enjoy it. 
Okay, Dwayne. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Dwayne. All right. Well, you guys have a good one. You, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. So that does bring something to mind for me. Um, and we, I've heard about this a little bit. And I think actually the Marshall County um, building inspector might do something with it. How about homes? And you see it on TV all the time. Get a generator. Sure. Have a generator in, in your backyard or, yeah. you know, to keep your power on. I know because just from listening at some of the county meetings, part of the problem is the generators are fine. But it's like that generator has a possibility of feeding back into the system. And that's where there's sure. an issue. And the building inspector gets involved to make sure that connection is done correctly. Sure. So it doesn't cause issues other way. So, you know, years ago, I probably would have told you, you know, a generator is not really necessary. We didn't have a lot of the risk we have now, uh, but anymore, a very, very popular option. Um, I currently don't have one, but I probably will install one um, just as an extra peace of mind, piece of security. And uh, they're a great, great thing to have for the times when you need them. And so the generators, uh, right now, there's, there's been kind of a shortage of them because a lot of them are going in with just all the hype across the country and everything going on in the world. Um, just just a lot of generators being installed. And so there's been kind of a shortage, and the cost of them have gone up quite a bit um, just over the last year or two. But as far as the generator itself, it does have to be properly interconnected to your electric system at home. So is what you don't want to happen is have somebody plug a generator in that does not have some sort of disconnect from the electric utility like us. So if you were to just hook a generator into your electric at your home without having the proper um, connection or, or transfer switch and not having like a, an actual break between that generator and the electric utility is what can happen is that small generator at your house will create power and it will push it back through our transformer which is the device that is lowering the power typically coming off our main power line lowering it to your house voltage and bringing it into your home well, it will work in the reverse direction as well. So that small generator can push power now back through that transformer and it will take it from say 120 or 240 volt and will step it back up. So it will make it higher voltage all the way up to 7,200 volts and push it back out on the line. So you may have a lineman um, that's out there trying to do storm restoration or something else and they think the line is dead because everything they know where the power is supposed to be coming from is dead. Right. Uh, but this generator is backfeeding onto the line, creating a, a very dangerous situation. Um, but I will tell you the linemen are supposed to be taking step, safety steps, and ours do on a daily basis, um, to avoid that situation if it does happen. We cannot rely on people to always be doing the right thing and to know. So, you know, the guy's got to wear their glo rubber gloves constantly. They've got to test, test, test. They've got to ground their trucks. They've got to ground the lines. So there's all kinds of steps that they are supposed to do as part of their procedure when working on those lines. So in the event that somebody is backfeeding, they don't get hurt. Okay. That's, it, that's interesting. And I, for some so, reason, I feel like um, if you're... If you're going to install a and generator, so you, you definitely want to contact the building inspector right? Um, and then also your electric utility and have the conversation with them, and they will walk you through kind of the process of what needs to happen so it's done correctly and safely. Yeah, because you guys aren't opposed to them at all. No, you absolutely. We encourage them. I mean, it's, you, it's a great... You can't have that power coming back through that line unexpectedly. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, we talked a little bit about maintenance, and that's something that we see occasionally... 
Um, in fact, I'm thinking it might have been last summer. I, I got a note hanging on the door that said uh, that they were going to do tree, some tree trimming. And if the tree had a blue dot on it, it was going to be trimmed, which um, it only impacted a little bit at one corner at the transmitter uh, where we are on Muckshaw. Mm -hmm. um, so, but that's one of the things that you guys hire a company to come in. Yeah, we have a contract with Mint City Tree out of Bremen. Um, so they do all of our right-of-way maintenance, and we actually just took them on to do the spraying maintenance as well. So they now do all of our tree trimming throughout the system, and then they do all the spraying. And behind it, you know, from a timing standpoint, when they trim, they know how long they need to wait to get the proper regrowth before they come through and spray to get the proper kill on, on some of the stuff. And so, yeah, they, they are working on our system pretty much year-round. And we previously were on a five-year rotation, so every year they would do one-fifth of our system. And we're working very diligently now to get that down to a four-year four rotation where they'll be through the entire system in four years. Um, and they're doing a lot of things very well um, that long-term are going to save us, I think, on tree trimming and help us on outages. They're clearing back you know, to the right-of-way, getting a lot of the trees that people in the past previously would not let us cut. Um, they've been successful in working with people and, and getting a lot of that done. Um, and then also just things like when they go through and grind down a right-of-way under the power line, right. they will actually come through and put down a seed mix that will make it more of a nice grass and will stop some of the, you know, the scrub brush, the saplings and things from coming back up that long-term then become a maintenance nightmare for a utility. So. I, and I assume that your own staff um, does routine maintenance, sure. you know, if, if we've got a beautiful day, nothing's happening, we haven't had any storms. They're not just sitting there twiddling their thumbs waiting for something to no, happen. We, we actually, actually do. are doing maintenance all the time. So uh, we just completed um, our annual pole inspection. So we have a company that comes in every year and tests a certain percentage of our poles, and we work our way around the system, uh, do very extensive testing. So I think this last time they tested about 3,000 of our poles, and then they come back with a list, and out of those 3,000 poles, um, I think this time there may be like 500 of those poles that have been identified as ready to be changed. So then our crews, as you know, time allows, are out there constantly changing out those poles, being proactive before they're, they fall, you know, in a storm event or, mm -hmm. or something like that. So um, we're driving. Our line guys, it's kind of funny, and even our operations manager and everybody for this, this matter at our utility, you know, it's funny. If you ride down the road with one of us, we're constantly looking at our lines. And you don't know how many times I'll be driving with our operations manager and he hits the brakes and backs up and you're like, what are you looking at? And I mean, he can, he has a very detailed eye. Um, they're all trained to watch for that. So as they drive throughout the county every day, they're looking at these lines, finding things and cleaning it up and trying to be proactive in avoiding outages and, and safety issues. So. so just like everything else, a pole doesn't last forever. No, they don't. Um, some of these old poles is kind of amazing have been out there for 75 years and they're still standing and still still good uh, but they do have a lifespan and I think that some of the newer poles um, because of the treatment that's put in them isn't you know with the environmental and everything right. you know they can't treat them like they used to so I think the newer poles you don't seem quite quite as long as far as longevity and, and lasting but they still they still probably 20 30 years at least you know as a minimum I know, uh, being in the commissioner's meeting, that NIPSCO's been doing major uh, yeah. poll projects throughout Marshall County. Uh, long term, down the road, you know, it seems like they're going for miles 
of taking out poles. And sure. it's just one of those routine things that, yeah, that we haven't line, seen very that often. That line, you know, was all built probably at one time. So most of those mm-hmm. poles are the same age and they've reached reached the end of life or a point where they're, they've been deemed needing to be replaced. And so they've got to get those changed because a lot of that um, is a, a critical circuit. And so you've got to get it, get the maintenance done to be able to keep that circuit on. So It's kind of funny because um, where I live and I, and I haven't paid attention recently, um, but the, the transmitter towers on Muckshaw were on one circuit and it was like the house next door or across the street was on the other other circuit. So, you know, when we li- didn't live out there, you know, we'd call the yep. neighbors and say, hey, do it, is there power on? Or so <laughs> so is how that, that works where you're at. That's a three-phase line. So there's three different lines um, that are separate that run down that road. So is what you do, so you have an A, B, and a C phase. And so is what you do is you go down the road or the utility is what they do is each house gets tapped off a different phase and you alternate to split up the load. So, uh-huh. so if there's a tree branch that falls somewhere and hits just like the outside line, A phase, for example, that may only knock out that one phase or that one line. And so those people are off and the people that are tapped onto the other two phases are still on. And so we get that a lot. Well, how can my neighbors still be on and I'm off? <laughs> We're fed off the same line going down the road. Well, actually, it's a different circuit uh, or a different phase that they're being fed off of. So that's how that happens. That's interesting. Um, you know, and there are other simple, easy things that folks can do besides turning your thermostat a little bit. Um, Shut your blinds. Here, I yeah, mean, even, you know, even that's little a, simple things. On those hot summer days, yeah, shut the blinds so that hot sun doesn't come in. Switching over, which the government has really kind of pushed this a little bit more too. Switching over your light bulbs in your house to get to the LED bulbs yep. instead little things like that can make, make a, a difference. Absolutely. Yeah, LED lighting's been huge. I mean, it's had a dramatic impact on overall load uh, just because of the amount of lighting that we use in this country. And so when you make the switch from your traditional incandescent bulbs, um, which are heavy users, to the to the LEDs, it's a dramatic, dramatic difference. So if, if somebody, I mean, do you have somebody that can come out to the house and say... Uh, that refrigerator that's from, you know, 1999 sitting in your garage is pulling a lot more than that new refrigerator you have in your house. You're better off to get rid of that. Sure. So, yeah, we have uh, Kenny Eggleston. He's our member services manager, and he goes out and works with people to, to figure out bills and where their power is being used um, and works with them on, on how they can save energy. So um, we do that as a service and, and something we do all the time. And there are some things that people can apply for and i can't tell you you'll know who i'm talking about maybe sixth road the dairy farm that went in on the new dairy farm that went in on sixth road yeah so that Um, is through the power moves program we talked about at wabash valley power um so if you're doing any sort of project you know residential or commercial um with that involves electric or electric efficiency if you go on that power moves website that uh, wabash valley has it'll walk you through the process but there's all kinds of things you can receive uh, rebates and incentives for um, lighting um, hvac type stuff especially in the commercial environment there's a lot of lot of opportunity and so like for that dairy for example um, they were doing some i believe some motor efficiency and some lighting that qualified so Kenny Eggleston, our member services guy that I was talking about, he worked with them and had a representative from Wabash Valley come down, meet with them, walk through the process of what they were doing, 
and work with them to say, well, you know, if you, instead of putting this in, you do this, you will receive this amount of money back. So it's a process. And and so if you're on Marshall County REMC and doing any sort of an upgrade um, electrically, as far as electric efficiency or building something new, you know, it doesn't hurt to reach out to Kenny at our office and uh, have that conversation and see if we can help you out. That's really a nice thing to have somebody right here local that can come and give you ideas on... And, and because you're also saving money on your bill. Absolutely. You're not just helping the whole power grid system, but you're you're helping your wallet at the same time. Correct. Correct. Every little bit helps. Yeah, it really does. Uh, anything you have, Rusty? Have we covered all your questions? Well, I'm I, long-winded. I can talk all day about power. I'm pretty passionate about it, so you'll have to shut me off with it. I think everybody's passionate about power. Um, <laughs> on these hot days, yeah. I especially. Gotta have internet. Internet and AC. <laughs> internet and AC. Those are the two things that are essential for life. Uh, internet and AC. My kids will tell you that for yep. sure. Uh, that's, yeah. I, and that's another thing, I guess, just real quickly. You know, Marshall County REMC is involved in um, a partnership with Rochester Telephone called Marshall County Fiber. Yeah. And so that's something we're working on as well and kind of a new venture. We started back in late 18, early 19, 50-50 partnership with Rochester Telephone. And we're trying to bring fiber optic internet to as many areas of the county um, as we can. And uh, we're working very closely with Surf Broadband, which is kind of a friendly competitor. And so between them doing kind of Plymouth, the towns, and the more populated areas, and and, then we're doing more of the rural areas over time, um, I think we're going to have a a good portion of Marshall County covered with internet, which uh, fiber internet at that, which is premium. And and basically internet, we look at it as another utility nowadays. So. it certainly is. And th- so is that then brought in on your poles? or is that um, It's a combination in? where we have, where Marshall County REMC has poles that have the, the height clearances and stuff needed because there are a lot of requirements. I mean, we've got to stay so far below the power space with that fiber optic and stuff. So if they're, if the pole line is in good shape and has the, requir- the height, the requirements, stuff we need, we'll hang on the poles. And then other areas, we'll bury it. So it's, it's a combination of both. And you guys, I know you started kind of small um, down at, what, King and 11th Road down in that area? Yeah, we did a pilot project over through that area, King Road, Southfield Subdivision, Forest Hill Subdivision, kind of just north of our office there. Um, And it went so well that we've continued to expand. We've gone around the Bourbon area now, uh, south from our office all the way to the county line and kind of from Culver over to Argus. Um, we're working right now in the coming months. We'll be building out all the way from Lake Latonka to Lawrence Lake around all the lakes and going south to Culver. And so we, between between us and uh, Rochester Telephone and the partnership, we've already spent just approaching $10 million. So it's not a, not a cheap venture. Right. So, and, and that's the one thing. Um, I, I've seen you at the county commissioner's meeting. There, there, there was a request uh, for some of the ARP funds that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There was a pledge for a half a million dollars. I'm not, not sure where that's going. Because, unfortunately, there are, are some people um, out there who think that it's a luxury sure. uh, to have Internet and then others who need it for for their yeah. livelihood. Well, and I, that's a great point. We're on the agenda, us and Surf Broadband, uh, Monday morning, I believe, for the commissioner's meeting or council meeting. I'm not sure which. But um, to, talk, to talk about that. And so... We're, we're very well prepared. Um, I think part of the question that's been raised is if these are for-profit businesses, why why should you receive this funding? And then also um, we've been asked, you know, haven't you already received some funding? 
And the short story is uh, we have received some funding, but that funding goes nowhere near covering those costs. I mean, and, and we'll explain that at the meeting on Monday, uh, but this money, you know, the $500,000 is a great push for us to be able to expand even farther, but it goes nowhere near even coming close to covering the cost of some of these projects. So, I mean, we're, we'll talk Monday about the funding that we've received and kind of as a small percentage of the total of what that is in the grand scheme of things. And so when you look at a project um, or a business venture, you know, you're looking at your return on investment. Normally you want that to be maybe three to five years. Uh, most people look at this business model that we're doing and would think we're absolutely out of our minds. I mean, we're at a 15 year return on investment probably or more, but we're doing it because it's, we feel it's the right thing to do. And kind of like when the co-ops were formed to bring electric to the rural areas back in the thirties, when these bigger investor owned utilities, you know, were serving the, the populous areas right? and it didn't make financial sense to go out to these rural areas. And so through a lot of different things that the, the rural electrification act and different things, um, electric co-ops were formed, even though it didn't make financial sense, to get power out to these rural areas. And it's kind of the same thing for us. We know that there's a need there. Nobody else is going to do it. And kind of like power, we're going to try to make it happen. And and, and kind of like you said, um, when you're in town, you got a lot of houses really close together. And so it's a lot easier. You, you're going to run that line down through there. And you know, some of these homes are going to click, click on. Sure. Not everybody, but some. Yeah. But when you get out into the country... Yeah, so I mean, we have we average seven customers per mile. Okay. So it is yes. very, very uh, sparsely populated. And then if you figure, you know, out of those seven homes per mile average, you know, if all seven of them don't take the service, your take rate's not there. So it uh, becomes very expensive per home to serve these people in, in the rural environment versus more in urban environments. So. And I think that's what the governor has been his push too is to think about the people in the rural area that they need to have services Correct. like everybody else so yep. um and that's where the county commissioners i think are coming from you know it's like they want that those couple of houses that mile down the road that you know somebody says well it's really not worth going that far down when <laughs> there's only three houses that's what this project would help to yep. get those people well, on the line too. And if you look with what we're doing, with what SURF is doing, and what we're going to bring to the county long term, I mean, it is a huge benefit to Marshall County from a business standpoint, from a residential standpoint. Um, they say right now, uh, realtors, if you look at the yes. reality market, I mean, it is a seven to $10,000 adder to your home value just having fiber optic internet available there. It's that important now. So, you know, we're adding a lot of home value and property value and tax value to the county as this project happens. Um, and hopefully it'll keep people in Marshall County, bring people to Marshall County from a residential and business standpoint. So, very good. If they want more information on that in, in the rural area, yeah, if uh, you just go, we have a, uh, website called marshallfiber.com or if you go to marshall county or marshallremc.com there's a link off of it and you can get all the information of what you need to do to check if it's available or when it's available and and get signed up good deal okay well dave i really want to thank you for coming in this morning and talking with us um and and i encourage people when you have these big days just those simple little things of turning off a switch here or you know it might be 90 degrees outside but you know, 74 degrees in your house is not a bad temperature to exactly. survive in. And watch your local media. You know, I mean, AM 1050, we, we always we always bring stuff to you guys in right. local media. Um, if we think that one of these events is eminent, um, just to try to let people know. So if you see those articles, be aware of them and respond appropriately. Very good. 
Thanks for sharing with us. Thanks a bunch. I hope I didn't bore you guys. No, no, not at all. Not a little bit. No. Um, I've got something to give away. Okay. So let's give it away. Sounds um, good. I've got a Pizza Bills uh, $15 gift certificate. Uh, Jim and I had salads from Pizza Bills yesterday for it's lunch. funny. I had Pizza Bills last night. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was going to have it Saturday, but I didn't get my order in in time. <laughs> got a little bit late. That's a bummer. Boys got home, and it was like 10 after 9, so I uh, called anyways. Uh, I missed, missed it by it. 10 minutes. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so uh, we got $15 gift certificate. It's going to go to caller number 6 at 574-936-4096. 574-936-4096, caller 6. Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for Sports Stuff definitely could not do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown, considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage for Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Are you looking for a new hauler for trash removal? Call Apex Waste. Large or small, we'll take your call. When you choose Apex Waste, there's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and no taxes. What we say is what you pay. Apex Waste is a local family-owned company that is dedicated to reliable, friendly service. Call Apex Waste at 574-896-APEX. That's 574-896-2739 or visit us online at apexwaste.net. When you want to know what's going on in Marshall County, just reach for the Pilot News. Local government, people, and places. Since 1851, the Pilot News has been Marshall County's only daily local newspaper. So when you want to know what's happening around town, pick up the Pilot News. Call 936-3101 today and have everything in Marshall County delivered to your doorstep. The Pilot News. WTCA in Plymouth, Indiana. And what's your opinion? Phone lines are open at 574-936-4096. So call now and join the fun. Now here's Kathy and Rusty. 
Nobody wants to work. It's Friday. You don't have to work on Friday. <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> Something's wrong here, right? Yeah. Bren <laughs> Brenda isn't going to be working. She's just going to leave after lunch. Uh, she's got the gift certificate from Pizza Bill. Why is this stuck together? Sorry, fingers. Yes, I was just here, <laughs> not paying any attention to what's going on. Anyway, uh, yeah, Brenda, the winner of our good deal pizza bills. Don't forget, we got our drawing coming up too. So, and real quick, just a couple of things. Um, you can get more information on our Facebook page or on our website at am1050.com. The Hoosier Valley Railroad is excited to announce that the National Park Service has added the Chicago and Erie Railroad Bridge in Pulaski County to the National Register of Historic Places. Um, and this is a project that uh, Kurt Garner has been helping the Hoosier Valley Railroad Museum with. So um, there's some information and a picture on our website for that one. Also want to let folks know that uh, coming up on Saturday evening, it is the 2022 Marshall County Blueberry Festival Scholarship Pageant happening. It'll be down at the high school in Argus. The theme of this year's festival is Peace, Unity, and Compassion. Uh, doors for the pageant open Let's see. Well, the, it starts at 7 p.m. Doors will open at 6.30, and it's $5 to get in. And I think they've got 10 girls participating this year. So uh, come on down, support the pageant, support the girls, support the festival, um, and enjoy that. Uh, there's an article on the website from the Marsh County Sheriff. He was speaking at the county council meeting on Monday. Um, talked about off the off of the agenda. Talked about uh, his sheriff's uh, deputies. He's been doing some research uh, for pay, and did mention that his deputies are paid fourteen percent less than a Plymouth or a Bremen police officer, and that he is having trouble getting staff and keeping staff because of that. <clears throat> difference in right. pay um he actually had come to the meeting to talk about uh the courthouse security uh he had asked they had been at 35 hours a week and then he had asked to move them up um i think he actually asked to move them up to 40 hours a week the the council had put him at 37 and a half and he said this was his example yeah. um Moving it to 37 and a half hours from the 35 hours is like a person driving down the road and all of a sudden they get two flat tires. Well, the 37 and a half hours allows you to fix one of the flat tires, but you left the other one still flat. Right. So what he wanted was 40 hours so that they always have two people on duty, especially in the courthouse, because the courthouse is open, as is the county building, from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And over the lunch hour, they would have unpaid lunch. So one of them would leave for an hour, go have lunch. They would come back. The other one would leave for an hour, go have lunch. So for a two-hour period, you only had one security person on duty. And when you only have one security person on duty, they have to be at the front door running the x-ray machine and the body scanner there. So it 
if something happened upstairs in one of the courtrooms, there's nobody there available to go. Yeah. And so um, after some discussion, they did allow um, making those three security officers uh, 40-hour-a-week jobs now. And so that was a change there. And then uh, the Plymouth City Council heard on first reading uh, two different ordinances, one to increase the water rates and one to increase the sewer rates. Um, Eric Walsh from Baker and Tilly gave a presentation last month and said the last time we did a rate increase was actually in 2017 after Del Monte and Bay Valley left the city of Plymouth. Um, and that was a three-year phase in uh, of rates. So the proposal is um, $1.50 increase for residential customers in the first phase and $1.50 in the second phase for sewer service. That would bring the city's average residential customer's rate to $31.85 a month, which is well below the state average of $36.65. On the water side of things, the proposal is to increase water rate customers this year 5%, next year in 2023 4%, and the final one in 2024 another 4%. The projected increase would be $250 um, a month for the first two years and then another dollar in that last year. Um, the average residential customer would be end up paying $55.80 a month and the state average is $61.77. The City Council will hear second reading on those ordinances at their meeting on Monday, July 27th. And then the final thing, just real quickly, down at the old Clark Station on East Jefferson Street. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, that property and the house right behind it, to the south of it, so behind that fence that's right. there, those two properties share four lots. Okay. Um, and they're trying to sell the house. Well, they found out that the lot line of the house runs, if not through the north wall, right at the north wall. So a bank won't get a loan because the property line is too close. So the, uh, the gentleman who owns that property, Mr. Iqbal, wants to move the property line to the fence, which is about seven feet. And so he had to come before the plan commission to try and get that done. He was not actually there. Um, oh, Mike DeMont, um, his realtor, was there to, to discuss this. And um, there was a lot of discussion and uh, conversation about that. And if you actually look at the picture on our website, you can see that the next lot to the east, um, part of that property line runs through what used to be, what was that? What was that name of that restaurant right there? Oh, the originally? Yeah. The Huddle Girl. The Huddle, yeah. yeah. Used to run through runs through the Huddle. Well, Mr. Iqbald owns that piece of property and the one where the Huddle is too. Um, but so what happened is he wanted to move that line over. There is like a twelve member board, but only six members were present for the meeting. And you have to have a majority of the board. Not a majority of the members present at the meeting, a majority of the entire board. So right. they needed six yes votes 
to modify, to replant this and get that house into one lot with the lot line a little bit further to the north so that there was more space. So the, the old Clark Station would have its own lot and this house would have its own lot. Right now, those two pieces of property are sharing four lots. So they want to change it from four lots to two lots. When it was all said and done, the vote came down five to one. Mark Gidley voted against it because he felt that the side yard setback could go further to the north and make it actually match up to the city ordinance. And right. I think it's a I think it's a ten foot setback is what's required. Although the lot that is left there already is almost in, yeah. uh, unable to be built on because of the setbacks. You've right. got it, it's on a corner, so you got two fronts, and then you got a side yard setback and front yard setback. I mean, you might be able to put a yard barn in the middle of that, and that would be, be it. Um, so, you know, the suggestion was, well, why don't you just sell it all as one piece? Um, they said they had looked at that opportunity, but they were hoping that the people who um, are running the restaurant next door would buy that front piece and use it for parking for the restaurant. Sure. Um, so they did the vote. It was five to one. The plan commission said it was denied. And then later in the meeting, they realized that was not a majority vote. Five to one is not a majority. They have to right. have six votes. So then they determined that that was not a valid vote. And so Mr. Ichbald and uh, Mr. DeMott have the opportunity to come back next month and represent this request because they didn't get a good vote. Right. Um, either way, yes or no, with the anticipation that more members will be present. I mean, if you've got a 12-member board, and actually we only had five members at the meeting, they had to call a member who was out sick, and they had to participate on their cell phone oh, that's at the meeting so that we could get a, a six, you know, six members to even ha conduct the meeting. But, well. Yeah. It was an interesting that's case. That's good. Yeah. So... Other than that, you can read more about all those stories on our website at am1050.com. You can also check out our Facebook page at WTCA um, and, and look at them there and see the pictures and all that jazz. All that jazz. All that jazz. Woohoo. Um, speaking of all that jazz, I do want to remind everybody that the Plymouth Elks Lodge is serving to the public tonight um, from 5 until 7 p.m. Tonight's dinner menu includes all-you-can-eat fish, jumbo shrimp, two grilled pork chops, fish and shrimp, or they're having a New York steak dinner. And their dinners include the salad bar, the potato, your choice of potato, and the dessert. They serve from 5 to 8 p.m. And carryouts are available by calling 574-935-5511. Very good. You have a menu to read? Oh, Give me a second here. Yeah, While he's looking for that, I'll let everybody know that the Plymouth Optimist Club, they are having a Ralph Smith Tenderloin Sandwich Fundraiser um, tomorrow. It'll be at Centier Bank at the corner of Oak and Jefferson Streets. They'll serve a tenderloin sandwich and fries from 11 a.m. in the morning until 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And the price of that fundraiser is $12. You don't have to have a ticket in advance. Just need to show up and you can buy your lunch right there. Um, this fundraiser that the Plymouth Optimist Club is doing tomorrow on Saturday uh, will help the uh, raise money for their Plymouth High School College Scholarship Program. Okay. Rusty's still looking. Apparently, this... 
it's disappeared. It's a pork chop. It's a pork chop pork dinner. Pork chop dinner. Uh, American Tonight. Legion. Yep. All the fixins. Everything you want. Even homemade dessert, I think it said. Yeah. Yeah, it was homemade dessert. Okay. Was part of it. 15 bucks. So yeah. Ah! Oh, you found it, it in, in the there? trading post. It was in the trading post. Nice place file. for it. Uh, anyway, tonight, post 68 in uh, Argus. Bill's famous grilled pork Ooh, chop. Not just any. It's Bill's. Okay. Uh, and like you said, baked potato, everything you could imagine. A garden salad, roll, homemade. Uh, dessert dinner is, excuse me, $15. And it'll be served from 4 to 8 down at the uh, Argus Legion Post. So All right. That's that. Very good. Um, I got one other thing. Okay, you do your thing. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Ba, 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 ba. Okay, uh, Martin's is doing their roof set. Oh, that's right. You, yeah. you sent me a message and, yeah. and wanted to remind I, yeah. me. Yeah, I said I better not forget that. Or, or, or your my, sister-in-law my will shoot you. Yeah, she'll have me dead on the spot. Uh, anyway, they are, they've are they got raffles and everything out. All the money is going straight to charity. It's out at Martin's, if you wonder what's going on out there. Um, and they do have raffles. they got some stuff that looks pretty good. You, okay, have you been in Martin's are the you, last few weeks? No, I haven't. They had oh, that. they got new floors in there. I didn't yeah, know that. Oh, it's, they're completely remodeling it. Yes. It looks really good. Um, they had that great big cutout of the rock that was sitting right at the front door. They're, they're giving that away as part of the uh, oh. um, raffles. And, okay. I don't know. This one baffles me. A lifetime portable basketball hoop. Oh, it's lifetime. Okay, it's a bat. A, a regular hoop. Uh, they got aluminum cornhole, Corona umbrella, Miller Lite basketball jersey, and a sign. Uh, Sunkiss basketball shootout game. Uh, Tito's basketball sign. What is? What does Tito's have to do? Anyway, uh, that is Tito's is a vodka, by the way. Oh, um, okay. yeah. Um, anyway, get in. You can be uh, part of those raffles and, and have a chance to win some items. Uh, but it's the roof set out at Martin's if you happen to be going by. Uh, that's what's going on. Swing in, buy some stuff, and they'll, they'll be going on uh, for a little bit here. So, anyway. Okay. Um, other than that. Oh, you know what? Other than that, I do have a kitty that I will give away. It's not mine. I don't know whose it is. It's a kitten. Oh, so you're giving away other people's stuff. Yes. Good for well, you. it's been at my house for well over a week now. Um, it's been outside. Uh, we have not allowed it inside because we already have three cats inside. This is a little kitten. It's little enough. I can't tell you if it's a boy or a girl cat. Um, but if you are interested in a little gray furry kitten, I have one. Um and I would love for somebody to take it off my hands. I really don't want to take it to the neighborhood center or to, or to the Humane Society. I really would like just somebody. We we went and talked to a couple of the neighbors to see if it was theirs. And it, they they said, no, they had they had male cats, not female cats. <laughs> well, your male cat maybe impregnated that somebody's female. And now I've got a kitten. Blast you. Yes. Um, if, if somebody is interested in a kitten, give me a buzz and. I, I would be more than happy to share her with you or him with you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Sharon. Okay. Anyway. Well, I hope we've done it all. Yeah, I think we have. It's Friday. Yeah, we got a couple more things to do, though. Okay. Uh, we don't have any birthdays today. 
but we do need to have a birthday drawing. So let us. Why we're? You got a good shot at the prize this week. Uh, four cupcakes from La Dessert Cafe. Also, free small drink from the Coffee Lodge, and that will go to. Nancy Kaiser celebrated Nancy. her birthday on the 14th. So, Nancy, you get that uh, cupcakes. You get the, from uh, La Dessert Cafe, you get the uh, Cash and Creek bouquet, and you get the free small drink from the Coffee Lodge. So, that is our birthday drawing. Uh, we don't have any anniversaries today. If we did, we'd mention them here. And then you'd be eligible for 50 bucks from Deaton Clemens Van Gilder Funeral Home. That drawing comes up at the end of the month. Now it's time for Trading Post. You can buy sell trade giveaway. Four hands, four days, four free. So our business for Eno's Hiners. Also looking for something in Hammer's Hill. Right now, sale going on 8 to 6. 13279 7th Road in Plymouth. That'll be going on tomorrow as well. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, today and tomorrow you have a chance. Eight to six, one three two seven nine seventh road, and then a five family garage sale. It's Saturday only, eight thirty. The question mark at one two three five zero eleventh road. It's one two three five zero eleventh road. That is the trading post for this fine Friday, and that's my stuff. Very good. Um, other than that, on Monday, I won't be here. I have a county commissioner's meeting on Monday. You will be with Jim, Jim Vinal. Vinal, yes. On Monday, and at this point, we don't have a guest. Next week's guests do include the, the Marshall County Commissioners on Tuesday. Code enforcement on Wednesday Ooh. from the city of Plymouth. Greg Hildebrand on Thursday and the Plymouth Public Library on Friday next week. There you week. go. So Perfect. our lineup. And I did talk, uh, I'm working with the Indianapolis Zoo. They're going to come um, be on the air with us one day, too. That'll um, be good. Next month in July. Yeah. So Maybe they can get one of the, maybe they can get a koala to talk to, come to us. To yeah. talk with us? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That'd be good. See what we can do about that. All right. Very um, good. Um, oh, one last thing is somebody just... Is it true that you can save electricity if you unplug the lamp and small appliances when they're not in use? That is true. Um, I didn't see this when Dave was here. Um, but that is true, that anything that is plugged in is drawing. Oh, yeah. Even if it's not turned on. Yep. Um, I, I, I will tell you that at my house, I went so far as the, those little heated wax candles you plug it into the yeah. socket you know and then mm -hmm. makes your house smell nice that it, i've gone around and shut those off at times too just to okay save a little electric it's got the teeniest little bulb in there but I, i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying to make it you're making an effort see yes that's good all righty that's well, it everybody hey it is father's day weekend right on a sunday it's father's day so don't forget dear old dad um Take him out for breakfast or have a cookout in his honor. Let him sleep in. You know, buy him a brewski, something. Do something for dad good this this weekend. Yeah, if you... I mean, I, I love breakfast, but if you wake me up for it on Sunday, <laughs> uh, it's not going to make me very happy dad all day. But anyway. Okay, uh, you're more of a brunch guy than I'm a brunch guy. guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a brunch guy because Sunday is the only day I have some time off, so... Very good. All right, that's going to do it. That's going to do it. We're out of here. 9 o'clock Monday, so uh, tune back in.
You're listening to FM 106.1 and AM 1050. WTCA.